You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. Good morning. Hey, there we are. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Sweet. Are you glad you came to church? Can we get up for our worship team? Aren't they great? Thank you so much. for. I love that people are talented. You're so blessed that talented people sing and it's not me because it's not good when I sing. So uh, my name is Cody Sykes. I'm the campus pastor here of Renew Life Church Midland. Uh, if you're new to our church, we have a church here in Midland. We also just launched a campus in Lubbock. Um, things are going fantastic there and we're just excited about what God's doing. We're, we're a church that believes that, that Jesus died to give us a life that only he could give us and he gave us access to live that life through his body and through his blood. And so we just believe in the power of God and, and so that's, uh, that's what we go after. And it's something that uh, he gave us as a free gift. And so um, this is who we are. It's what you can expect here. And uh, we love the Lord and we love people. I wanted to share a testimony uh, before we get going too far. Um, we're gonna talk specifically today, just so you know, we're gonna talk specifically about what's taking place in Afghanistan. We didn't feel like a leadership team, as a leadership team, that it would be wise, it'd be insensitive for us to skip past what's taking place and just talk about what we feel like God is doing in our church. Because the truth of the matter is that there is a larger church that is bigger than this body that we're actually still connected to through the Spirit of God, through Jesus. And so I wanted to share a testimony first and foremost about something that's taking place over there. I know that if, you, if you've tuned into Instagram or social media, if you look at the news, you watch the news, you're seeing all of the things. But I wanted to share this. We've got some staff members on our church staff in Lubbock uh, that, that have done missions for a long time. They're directly connected to some people that actually do ministry in Afghanistan. And so they shared this. They said, uh, we received good news last night. All of the people that we have connections with in Afghanistan have officially made it safely to the airport. It had been several days since we heard from some of them and we weren't sure if they were actually even still alive. They all made it past tons of Taliban security checkpoints, which is amazing as a miracle in itself. Then they went on to say this, we also received news from some of the underground church leaders that we know that some of the Taliban members are actually helping the underground church members escape. I didn't see that on the news, I don't know if y'all did. And some members of the Taliban are actually meeting with the underground church to read the Bible and are now praying to God. There hasn't been true confession of Jesus yet, but they're continuing to meet and they're really interested in what the Bible has to offer. This is something that we should celebrate. I love it. So, so awesome. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that God is going to turn things around. I believe that God is in the business. I don't know if you know this about God. He is in the business of turning things that are not supposed to be good into, into good. Before we go too far, I wanna pray. I just wanna continue to ask the Lord, Father, for help. So, Father, I just ask you for help. I pray that in the next few moments that you would help us to engage our ears and our eyes and our senses, that we would be, we would be engaged with what you're saying. We'd be engaged with your word. We'd be engaged with your spirit. Holy Spirit, I welcome you here. Fully welcome you. You're the spirit of truth. We need truth more than ever before. You're the spirit of comfort. We need your comfort more than ever before. 
And I ask you to take over my lips and take over my mind that I would speak things that line up with your word and, and anything that is spoken today that is not true of you and that is not true from your word, I pray that it would fall on deaf ears. But anything that is of your word and anything that is from your word, I pray that it produces the thing in which you, you actually intend for it to produce. I think that we're coming more into a place of knowing your heart, your heart for us and your heart for people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I wanted to share, uh, actually Keith, the campus pastor of Midland, was, I mean Lubbock was supposed to be here today. I was supposed to go there, but we just felt like this was just something that was, was extremely important to share. And so I want to talk through uh, what our heart is pertaining to the situation, uh, what our role should be, what, what our, our, our hand looks like in the midst of everything that's taking place. And I'm not necessarily interested, in, and I don't care right now uh, about about talking through the collapse and what happened and who pulled things out faster than they should have and all of those things, can I say this? Everything that needs to be uncovered will be uncovered. Amen. That is God's job, not our job. Amen. Now you can connect your faith to things that are going to be productive, but if it's not productive, I would encourage you to unplug from it. I'll leave that there. So we're interested though in, and we care about the people, both born again and the people that haven't, receive Jesus. We care about what's taking place in their lives. We care about the amount of pain that is actually taking place over in Afghanistan, even to the point of death. You know, as tragedy unfolds and as we watch this happen across the, the, the globe, we get to watch it from, from Midland, Texas. We get to watch it from a, a city where I, if I wanted to, I could, I could go to Roses and I could pray in Jesus' name out loud. I could go to Walmart or Target or wherever I want to go or H-E-B because the Lord's always at H-E-B. And, 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 amen. For all the places that don't have H-E-B, bless them, Lord. I'm just kidding. But we can go to these places and we can actually share openly our faith. But then we see things on the news and we see things in social media and it looks so far away simply because in terms of miles it is. And if you're like me, and I'm just going to be very vulnerable today, if that's okay as a pastor, to tell on myself. I know sometimes pastors don't have a whole lot of wiggle room to, to be real, but I'm going to be real today. I find myself in this place of, of slipping in and out of disconnectedness with what's taking place across the ocean. I find myself in, in and out of numbness pertaining to what's happening. It's like I see what's happening but sometimes, if I'm being real, when things don't knock on my doorstep, I don't pray as if it were knocking on my doorstep. Now, I might be the only one, and you might be more holy than me, and that's okay, but I don't think that I'm the only one. And I think one of the challenges and one of the tensions that we fall into in these moments of feeling disconnected, in these moments of feeling numb, is we don't know what to do. So oftentimes when we don't know what to do, we just don't do anything and we just wait for it to pass over. And so today I want to talk about what it should look like as a believer in the United States to engage ourselves and engage our faith, our faith in the battle that's coming upon the church that is the second fastest growing church in all of the world. Now I want you to pay attention to, this is a side note, I want you to pay attention to the tactics of the enemy. The scriptures say not to be ignorant of the, of the devil's devices. 
I believe this. You can believe what you would like, but this is what I believe. I believe that the enemy is doing such a great job at distracting us from the main thing, which is Jesus, and he's getting us to fight about who is and who isn't going to get vaccinated and who should and who shouldn't, and he's getting us over here fighting about should we wear a mask and should my kids go back to school, and he's getting me over here to, to, to fight about uh, what the president's doing and what he's not doing and why the, why the vice president hasn't said anything. We get in all of these places, all the while, he's pulling our eyes in distraction off of the one who could do anything about it, and that's Jesus. So I'm gonna encourage you, if the enemy is playing a hand, <laughs> my granddad used to say it like this, if the enemy is getting your goat, stop letting him get your goat and build a fence around your goat. Play a different hand. If he's showing you the way that he's getting to you, just do something different. Amen? Amen? It's that simple. Uh, if you're taking notes, you can title the message, uh, They Cared, So They Called. They cared, so they called. You know, one of the things that we have to pay very close attention to in, in moments like this is that we, that we don't let the way that we feel determine the standard of life that we live. We feel a lot of things. I feel really mad. I feel really sad. I feel really empty. Sometimes I feel really numb. I feel connected, and then I feel disconnected. But I have to make a point to live according to what the Word says. And in Romans chapter 12... Verse 15, it says this. He told me, and he told you, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. So if we can find a way to be obedient to the word, we'll find ourselves less involved with disagreeing with one another and more involved with looking at each other with eyes that care so that we might pray. That's the whole point of this. In John chapter 11, that's where we're gonna, we're gonna land for a minute. I'm not gonna read this whole, this whole uh, story, one of the most famous stories in all of scripture. In John chapter 11, verse one through three is what I'm gonna read. It says, now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love, he is sick. The first point I want to make today in this message is this. People who care are people who pray. If you care, you will probably be praying as well. If you aren't praying, you may not care. The good news is, you have the opportunity to start caring. It's that simple. But it's interesting what happened in the story. You see that Martha and Mary, their brother Lazarus, obviously comes down with an illness and he's, he's sick to the point that he actually dies. The first thing that they do because they care for their brother, I realize that this is their brother, but we have to realize that they are our brothers and our sisters as well. There is no distance in time in the spirit, so spiritual family there and here, I care for you, so I pray for you. They cared, so who did they call upon first? They called upon Jesus. They said, Jesus, the one whom you love, he's sick. Word gets back to Jesus, and Jesus ends up coming, but why would they first go to, to Jesus? They go to Jesus first because 
Verse 20, it reveals this. They said, if you would have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. So they automatically had this belief that, that Jesus is the game changer. Jesus is the element of change that once Jesus is inserted into a situation, once I pray and I call upon Jesus on your behalf, my expectation is that something actually changes. I'm not just praying things to pray things and check a box. I've seen and I've tasted that the Lord is good. And so because I've seen it and I've seen miracles happen in my own life, when I pray for you, when I pray for someone that I care about, I am expecting that to manifest in your life or in their life too. This is where Mary and Martha were. They expected something extravagant to happen, so they called upon Jesus. And guess what happened? Something amazing. Jesus comes and it even says that he gets to this place of, of the tomb and, and, he, and he's overwhelmed with these, it doesn't say he's overwhelmed with emotion, but it says that he weeps or that he wept. Jesus cared about the situation. He cared about this man tremendously. He goes into there and, he, and, and, and as he goes to, to go inside of the tomb, Mary and Martha, the ones that called Jesus, they're like, wait, he's been in there for four days. The stench is, is gonna be terrible. You probably shouldn't, and he puts them aside and he goes in, and it was as if they were saying, that situation, it's too far gone. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died, but he already died. Or if Jesus would have intervened over there, they wouldn't be dying. It's already too far gone. You should be numb to the situation. You should disconnect, and you should put your faith and your attention on being mad about the fact that people are enforcing vaccines. This is the way the enemy's working. I'm just trying to paint a picture and unfold this for you. But Jesus puts them aside, steps into the tomb, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And can you imagine what this would be like? This joker just comes out from behind the stage and, and mummified, just got stuff all over him, just walking, was dead, now he's alive after four days. If you saw that, like these people saw that, you would probably start sending the word or calling upon Jesus in everyone else's lives around you because you've seen what Jesus could actually do. Amen. This is what happened in the Bible. These are the things that took place. When they cared, they called. And I believe that this is the first place that we have to find ourselves when we think about what's going on in Afghanistan and across the world. And I get it, there, there are other places right now where, where the church is being persecuted and, and China and other places and I'm, and I'm saying Afghanistan, but you can take this on a world level. We have to care about what is happening to believers so much so that we call upon Jesus on their behalf. That's where we have to land first. Uh, in Galatians chapter six, verse 10, it says, therefore as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially those of the household of faith. This is where we land first. I was thinking through some of this, and, and I, was, I was thinking about praying and, and people that I've cared about in, in situations that were impossible, and how did I deal with those situations, and what did I do? And any time that I've come up against something, I, I was reminded of one story, a couple stories in particular, I'm gonna share one. Last year, uh, I, one of the things about being a pastor is sometimes you, you, you have the honor the challenging honor to do a, to do a funeral, to, to actually preach someone's funeral. And I was, I was asked uh, by a family 
that I've known for years and years. Their students were, were their kids were students in my youth group a long time ago, and uh, one of their students had a son that was three months old that passed away. And so they asked me to come and asked if I would preach this funeral. And so I, I went, and, and I, I just, the devastation, I can't explain what it was like. And I'm not trying to bring this down, but I'm just trying to paint a picture. When you see, and you've, and you've probably all been in these situations, if you've ever lost someone, you start thinking desperate things. Because these desperate moments, they, they sometimes call for desperate uh, reactions. They call for you to do something that's far outside of what you'd normally do. And so I, I was watching what was taking place, and, and, and as we were at the viewing, and as everyone left, I made it a point. I'm like, Lord, I, I am not coming here, watching what's happening and not doing my best to engage my faith in the resurrection of a baby. And you're like, man, that's, that's too far out there for me. Maybe for you. I, I believe that our level of belief for a miracle is, is, is directly related to our, our desperation. And if you've never been desperate for one, you've probably ne- never prayed for one. And I'll leave that there. And so literally, I, I, I waited and I got alone with this baby and I just, I prayed like as if it was mine. I mean, my daughter, my youngest, is actually a week older than this one. And so I just gave everything that I had to this little boy. I prayed and I laid hands and I, because I cared for what was taking place. And I just asked God to do something that was magnificent and, and amazing and a miracle. I didn't see the miracle happen. But I promise you this, it, it didn't prevent me from wanting to do it again because I know that God is a resurrector of life because he told me so. And so I'll keep doing it until I see it happen with my own eyes. But when you care, you pray. That's just what we do. So what about what about non-believers? We're talking about what's taking place and we're praying for believers. And I, I spoke to, before I go there, I spoke to a guy that is a dear friend of this house, a dear friend of mine, and I called him and I was like, I wanna know, I wanna know what he thinks about what's taking place in Afghanistan. I wanna know what he says and how to pray. This man is a man that I've shared about on this stage before and, and he's endured heavy, heavy persecution in his home country to the point of being hung upside down and having boiling oil pulled over his feet because he wouldn't denounce Jesus. And having the Spirit of God come upon him so strong while he's being tortured that he starts laughing and the joy of the Lord comes over him. His persecutors, his torturers, they get him down and say, what is happening and why are you acting this way? And he, he shares Jesus with him. And these men that are once torturing him actually yield their lives and give their lives to Jesus on the spot. So I figured if there's anyone in the world that I know, this is the man to call of how do I partner in faith with a church that's being persecuted. And he said the first thing that you have to do is this, you have to pray for the believers because they're praying, Lord, give us the strength and help us forgive. So as the church and as people, I'm encouraging you, partner and align your faith with their faith and pray that they have this supernatural ability to forgive because they they know that there is tremendous power when you can actually forgive those that are causing pain in your life. Came from him and he understands this directly. So that's the first place that we have to land. But we have to care for believers, I mean non-believers, because if we don't, the question is who will? I ask myself questions like this often. Do I care for people that don't know God? 
do I, do I allow their lives to come across my, my mind? Does it bother me that they don't know Jesus and without Jesus they, they, they have nothing but eternal pain to look forward to? These are questions that I ask myself regularly. I, I drive down the road oftentimes and I, I daydream. And I daydream of what it would be like if some of the most influential people that I know in this city actually found Jesus. What would it look like in the lives of the people around them if that one person, I bet you could pinpoint one, I bet you thought about one, if they just gave their life to Jesus. I fantasize all the time or daydream all the time about even celebrities. What would one celebrity that has such a huge following, what would it look like if Jesus radically changed their life and they let him? We would see this giant ripple effect across the entertainment industry. I have literally been directed by the Lord uh, on a couple different occasions that kind of put me in oh, awkward, uh, an awkward spot. The Lord likes to put me in awkward spots sometimes. I think he just pokes me a little bit. I've driven in front of one of the most wealthy people in Midland's house before, and the Lord said, stop and pray for him. And the guy happened to be outside in his bathrobe getting his newspaper, and I pull up and ask him if I can pray for him. That's weird. <laughs> I mean, what would you do if like, you're just going outside to get your newspaper and some joker pulls up and says, hey, can I pray for you? And you haven't even like, wiped all the sleep out of your eyes yet. And so I prayed with passion and I gave him a word because I know that if, if that word and that prayer actually produces what I believe Jesus sends it to produce, there's no telling what would happen in our city. I gave the most intimidating person probably that I know in size, in attitude, and in reputation a word once that, that I was nervous to give him. It was like he was here and I walked way over here to give it to him because his fist is the size of my face. And I'm like, I don't want that to touch this. It's gonna hurt. And I was like, hey, uh, if someone saved your life, if someone saved your life repeatedly, how would you treat that person? Good, I guess. Okay. I said if they, if they had literally pulled you out of situations where you should have died, would you let it be known to them that you really, really value them and you really, really appreciate them? He said, oh yeah, of course. And I said, so here's the word that the Lord has for you, a non-believer. I said, the only reason you haven't died yet is because you have a wife that prays for you. The only reason that, that you're alive and we're having this conversation is because you have a wife that is interceding every single day on your behalf and she's waiting for you to give your life to Jesus. And I said, so if you actually are a man of your word like you say that you are, and you would do the things that you said that you would do for someone that actually has saved your life, I would suggest you change your attitude about your wife. And then I walked way over here again. And I said, you ought to thank God for her. You have a lifeline, and it's her. He is the kind of guy that if he gave his life to Jesus, things would radically change in our city. I firmly believe it. And so those who care are those who will pray. And we have to get into this place of praying for non-believers and believing and caring for those that might spend eternity without Jesus. 
when I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and I withhold it from those that don't look or think or believe like I do. I've actually robbed them of something that was given to them for free. He cares, so we have to care. I'm speeding through some of this because I'm running out of time, but we have to do our part. And our part is very plainly written in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Jesus said that I, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, us reconciling people back to the Father. That is when we encounter someone that doesn't look, think, or act like us, our job is not to get them to think like we think, it's to point them to Jesus because he's the only one that actually could sustain their change. He's the only one. And so I have to pay attention, we have to pay attention that we operate within the grace that Jesus has put on our life and not the grace that is on God's life because the grace of God that, that he only can walk in, if I try to take that on, it'll crush me. I'm not worthy of walking in the things that only God could do. There's a separation. And so we have to constantly be lending ourselves and lending our care to non-believers in these moments that we're faced with. Once again, we, when we care, we will pray. And the last one that I wanna land on is we have to pray for the enemy. This one's tough. I'm gonna be real honest. This one's hard. To watch what's taking place on TV, to know that young girls are being torn from their families and being sent to be child brides. These are real things. We can talk about these in church. That makes it really hard for me to pray for these people that I would consider the enemy in the moment. Now obviously we know that the wrestle is not against flesh and blood, it's against powers and principalities and rulers of darkness and those things. But when you see someone with your eyes that you can actually attach your, your, your mind with and you see them carrying out these things, it's very hard then to pray, Lord Jesus, bless them. Because deep down inside, most of the time, we don't think that they're worthy of that. I'm just being vulnerable. It's like, they just did such and such, they don't deserve Jesus. They just stole and captured people and, 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 and beheaded them. They don't deserve the grace of God. They disqualified themselves. The mercy is not available to them. That's, that's where we can land instantly. Oftentimes, and I don't know if you're like me, but oftentimes I find myself praying vengeance. It's like, if I don't pray that God do something terrible to these men that are carrying these things out, it's almost as if I don't pray those things, I don't care as much about the victims as I should. And I might be on this island by myself and I'll stay there and the Lord will bring me back to the mainland eventually. But I, f I feel like these are the places that we fall into. I was praying in, in staff prayer a few weeks ago and we were praying against COVID. And I encourage you, pray against COVID. It is something that is real, it is something that is threatening, it's something that's challenging us. So take some time, invest in praying against COVID, very simple. We were praying against COVID and I started praying uh, 
because my own belief is that there are some things that are taking place behind closed doors. There's some manipulation and some control, some fear, some scare tactics, some things that I don't necessarily personally agree with. And so I'm praying, Lord, uncover, uncover these things. Uncover the things and the people that are running rampant, that have a platform, that are using this platform in an inappropriate way. I'm praying, Lord, uncover things. And he asks me, are you praying for me to uncover these things so that they would be healed? Are you, or are you praying that I would uncover them so that they would just be exposed? And I instantly thought about this story. I thought about the woman caught in adultery. Uh, and maybe you're familiar with this story, but Jesus is preaching to a crowd, and all of a sudden, the religious leaders, they bring a woman, and they're like, Jesus, we caught this woman in the act of adultery. If they caught her in the act, I would imagine that she's exposed completely. And they say, in the law of Moses, such a woman found doing these things should be stoned, but Jesus, what do you say? Their, their position was, we're going to expose her in order that she would die because she's committed something that was wrong. Oftentimes I wonder, is my prayer to expose people that are doing wrong just for the sake of them being exposed because I don't believe that they actually received the grace of God that I got when I was doing wrong? Jesus draws in the dirt with his finger as if he's like ignoring these, these people. And he says, okay, perfect. Yeah, um, so here's what we'll do. You who is without sin, go ahead and throw the first stone. In other words, since you're so holy and you're so perfect, you go ahead and you start the assault on her that the law of Moses says that she should get. And it says that they drop their rocks, starting with the oldest, even to the youngest. And Jesus is left alone with this woman. And I just want you to imagine this. Imagine this happening on this stage. Obviously, I'm not Jesus. And you watch all of these things take place. And Jesus says, looks up and he says, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, Lord. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no longer. God starts asking me questions like, are you praying to uncover in order to expose or are you praying to uncover in order that I would heal their, their lives? Because that's what my heart is. You think about, think about Saul who is literally a persecutor of Christians in Scripture, has this road encounter, on, on the Damascus road encounter, where, where he goes blind for three days. I would imagine that the disciples in this moment are dealing with some of the tensions that we're dealing with right now. They hear the stories of this man named Saul, who literally may have even captured or imprisoned some of their friends or some of their family. And all of the sudden, Jesus is going to bring him into the ranks of the disciples. I would imagine that there's some grumblings. I would imagine that there's some prayers that are like, hey, uh, man, what he did to my, my friend wasn't, wasn't great. It wasn't acceptable. It wasn't cool. And so secretly I'm praying that God would do this to him. He has this incredible encounter. and This is the person that we see writes so much of the New Testament. We have this thing in, in us, and I'm not, I'm not even blaming us, and I'm not even trying to cause any condemnation at all. We pray oftentimes eye for an eye. 
We pray revenge. It's what seems right. It's what seems holy. But in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, I'm not going to read all of it, but it says this. He, he says very, uh, a few things. He said, bless those who curse you. Do not curse them. Pray that God will bless them. That's what he says about those that are persecuting us. Pray that God will bless them. And he skipped down. He says, in verse 17, he says, never pay evil with evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will repay them, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If they are thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Do not live, I mean, sorry, do not let e evil conquer you, but conquer evil by being and doing good. So our role in all of the things that are taking place is we actually love people. We recognize their pain. We recognize that enemies are actually dealing with a great amount of pain. I was talking to a guy between services who, who's a private pilot and he, he served several tours in Iraq and, and was just a, a pilot while over there and, and he flew over parts of Afghanistan and he noticed that even at these, uh, at these Taliban compounds, there are young children and these young children are, are, are just waiting to be trained as the next wave. They don't know any different. I propose to you that even the men that are carrying out these things, they probably don't know any different. There's something that's been conditioned into them that has taught them to block pain and, and embrace this thing because this thing is God. Enemies are dealing with amount of, an amount of pain too. We bless those that persecute us. We pray that God would bless them. We let God be God and, and we be us. We don't pray, we don't speak, we don't pay back with evil, period. This is what the scripture says. I believe in doing these things, we come into this place of growing in our ability to be humble. Chris Valentin is someone who I follow closely and I, I, I respect him. Um, one of the things that he said at the beginning of this year was humility was the way forward. And I believe that as we fall into this place and come into this place of humility, I believe that we're setting our land up to be healed by the Lord. I, I believe that we're setting the world up to be healed by the Lord. And it says this in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. This is where the Lord is trying to take us. The more that I look like the Father, the more that I pray like the Father, the more that my heart is, is a mirrored image of His, I'm stepping closer and closer into this place of humility where the Lord might actually start answering my prayers because my prayers sound like His. There's no benefit in the Lord answering my prayers if they don't match His heart. They're just gonna lead me into my own desires. And so I'm praying and I'm asking the Lord, Lord, teach me. Lord, teach us as a church. How do, we, how do we deal and how do we pray? How do I care? Do I care? And move from this place of judgment and into this place of, yeah, I can love that person. And Jesus, if you loved them, 
<laughs> How about this? Jesus, if you loved me in the middle of my junk, sin is sin, no rank in sin. If you don't like that, take it over the scripture. If you, if you rank that and that's how you pray, you're gonna have to deal with that at some point. He's just asking, will you partner with me in praying for believers, non-believers, and the ones that you would call the enemy? Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.